Welcome to a Pulp Event Podcast, brought to you by the PulpNet, your link to the online world of the Pulp magazines for over 25 years. Online at thepulp.net. In this Pulp Event Podcast, Henry G. Franke discusses the amazing, thrilling, and fantastic Edgar Rice Burroughs. Henry is the editor of the Burroughs Bulletin. His presentation was part of Herb Fest, held in conjunction with Pulp Fest. This event was recorded on Thursday, August 19, 2021, at PulpFest 2021 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Edgar Rice Burroughs, uh, as uh, many of y'all recall, started writing when he was 35. He was born in the 1st of September, 1875. So he was along in age uh, by the time he started writing, uh, first started putting pen to paper for Under the Moons of Mars in 1911. So you can chop his... Uh, his uh, periods of his life up in certain bits, uh, professional and personal. Big one, of course, when he moved out to California and embarked about what became the Tarzana Ranch in 1919. But uh, as the years progressed and he continued writing, he also tried his, his hands at business on the side. And in many ways, those ensured a lot of trials and tribulations for him. Uh, he actually put uh, 200 acres and his, his own main house to uh, the Cal- Cabaret uh, Country Club. That thing basically went, uh, went under, took a long time. He, uh, he was actually not living there for many years, got there a little bit, and then, uh, then sold the house again. He, st- he started Burroughs Tarzan Enterprise, uh, Burroughs Tarzan Pictures, actually did a couple of uh, Tarzan uh, movies and some other non-Tarzan uh, films with uh, Ashton Deerholt, who at the time was married to uh, Florence Gilbert. Um, those fell through. He, had, he started something called the Apache Motor Company for uh, airplane motors. That fell through. He bought some interest in a local airport. That fell through. In other words, he, was, he just didn't realize he probably was best off sticking with writing and selling, selling his trademarks and copyrights. Great Depression certainly didn't help him or anyone else. And that was still lingering. Um, in the period we're talking about here. And of course, uh, you know, presage of World War II, both in the Far East and uh, in Europe, we're beginning in this period. All right, uh, his, uh, his wife of uh, 35, of many, many years, uh, Emma Burroughs, had uh, problems. They, uh, he decided to divorce her, and, and that divorce came through in December 34. He wound up marrying uh, Florence uh, Gilbert Deerholt, uh, the wife or former wife of uh, his business partner in April of 1935. They actually honeymooned in Hawaii, and that probably gave him an idea about later on moving to Hawaii uh, in 1940. He also, by the way, adopts uh, their two, her two young children. He really, in fact, really, really cares a lot about them, especially the daughter, Carol Lee. His writing career, uh, just to point out, he always knew his market had certain limitations. He couldn't break into the slicks. Uh, so he was he was truly a pulp writer by default, and even then, certain editors only wanted certain kinds of stories, not others. Uh, Tarzan obviously was a big push, and he got tired of doing Tarzan pretty early on. But he understood what the uh, what the, the biggest pull was for editors and readership. But as the story started uh, being a little repetitive and, and maybe kind of lacked some of the luster of the early ones. Rejection started increasing uh, over those years in the 30s and into the 40s. He also decided, because he was always worried about not getting the most out of his, uh, his work, 
decided to publish his own books uh, under uh, the Burroughs imprint starting in 1931 with, as you see here, uh, Tarzan, uh, The Invincible. Interestingly, one of his editors, uh, when he was discussing this idea about how his fiction was selling, said, you know, the thing is, you know, your fiction's getting kind of repetitive. The readers have seen it. Uh, they're getting more excited about what they see in the movies and the newspaper strips. So ironically, his own his own uh, income from other media were potentially biting into his, uh, his readership of his own fiction. World War II officially starts one September 1939 when Germany invades Poland. That was 64th birthday of Burroughs. All right, why does he move to Hawaii and, and leave uh, Southern California? Uh, income started uh, really dropping off because of uh, various sales, uh, especially overseas sales dropping because of uh, the war. He's paying for two households. He's taking care of Emma, and, and he actually was paying her uh, something of a salary as a uh, copy editor for a while. Meanwhile, he has a young wife. When he got married, uh, he was uh, 59 and she was 30. He kept trying to keep up. And he worn himself out. But the big problem, actually, was income versus uh, outlay. So Hawaii was about, in his mind, about a third the cost of living in California. So they decided to go to go to California. He arrives in April of 1940, just after uh, his family. It's important to understand that, that Burroughs is, is a true celebrity about this time. Uh, as you see here, uh, even when his wife and, and his uh, his wife's children uh, come to Hawaii, that's big news. Uh, him and his wife honeymooning in Hawaii is big news, at least locally, in some cases nationally or even globally. Uh, but as he moves out, uh, and he, he tends to do what he always does. He's, he bounces around looking for a place to live, uh, finds cells on a place. He does uh, rent an office space separate from the household so he can work, uh, work there and not interfere with his uh, family life and his, frankly, his pretty significant social life. He probably had more of a social life, and that unfortunately also meant more alcohol uh, when he was in Hawaii than he was in California. The people, the Ralph Rothman, who was the secretary and general manager of ERB Incorporated, is actually running day-to-day -day business, and uh, Burroughs does most of his communications on business with uh, with him. Uh, his oldest, Joan or Joanne, uh, and uh, his youngest, Jack, are both married. Joanne's got children, or one child, another one on the way. Holly Hulbert Burroughs is, is single. Uh, when he when he gets to uh, to Hawaii, obviously he needs money. Uh, Ralph Rothman had uh, discussed with the uh, the editor of Amazing Stories about Burroughs writing a series of novelettes that could that be tied together to a point they could be put together. Eventually, decided four four novelettes make up a novel, which could then be published either you know by Burroughs Incorporated as first editions. Um, Burroughs had tried the novelette approach just uh, a year or so before with uh, what he was calling the new Tarzan series, which was going to have Tarzan as a jungle detective, solving murders or finding uh, stolen property and that kind of thing. That, I think one story really came out of that, and he, and he dropped it. But Ralph Rothman had uh, thought this might be a good business model. Uh, and so as you can see here, Burroughs in his office uh, literally started cranking out novelettes in each of his series. And what's interesting is, as you'll see, from the Tarzan, uh, Mars, Pellucidar, 
in Venus series. He literally just did one novel, went to another series, and this just went on, and he, he, he cranked this out. And you could, his main means is he wrote a, three or four books in just, a, just about a year or so. And some of these are actual novels he had finished. You can see uh, some of the important as, you know, things that happened in his life. The big one is, of course, in World War II uh, with the U.S. entry. He, uh, he actually, with his son Holly, saw the attack on Pearl Harbor. Didn't realize it was an attack on Pearl Harbor. Thought it was exercises until later in the day. Uh, he eventually becomes a war correspondent. and you, you can see where he interrupted his writing a fair amount. Why did his writing fall off after 1944, 45, 46? Overexertion, he had a series of health problems uh, throughout his adult life, all of which got worse when he was older, most notably uh, heart problems. And he, uh, exertions when running up and down ladders on Navy ships and uh, other exertions eventually paid the price. And it, it, it really did uh, basically damage him for life in, in still about 94, 6 to his death in 1950. Uh, Burroughs, as you probably know, uh, was a very self-disciplined writer. He would sit down, he had a routine, and he'd write. And he would, he would put the, the words on the page. Or, in some cases, uh, the words into the dictaphone or edaphone. And, and he actually had a dictaphone shipped out in September of 1940. He continued writing some of the stories through dictaphones off of uh, outlines. He, he was still unhappy about the fact he was not getting... Uh, getting to the slicks. He was unhappy that his name was maybe selling more than the quality of his work. He tried a couple of stories, or actually more than a couple of stories, and some nonfiction under uh, pseudonyms. Uh, as far as I know, none of, nothing that was under a pseudonym sold. Eventually he had to sell it back, offer it back out with his name on it. He did actually try some movie treatments uh, before the start of the war, just before the start of the war from various novels. Had uh, even suggested that uh, a couple of his World War I uh, stories, notably the Beyond 30, which talked about World War I being an unending war, updating it uh, about what was happening in Europe, about potential unending war in Europe. Didn't sell, but he tried. And a couple of Tarzan novels he offered up, besides more like the novels and less like the Weissmuller movies. Uh, and again, as you can see, his, his celebrity continues. They interviewed him. They actually had him on the radio. I think the night after he arrived in Hawaii. Uh, he had promised, by the way, a John Carter radio show, uh, I think, during that interview. And uh, he would be on the radio many, many times during the war, including when he was uh, out deployed as a correspondent, because he was a celebrity. Quick summary of what, he, what happened with World War II. Uh, again, he, he and his son, Holly, uh, saw the attack in Pearl Harbor. They actually volunteered for guard to do that night. Uh, help with some escorting of uh, Japanese Americans. Uh, the army, uh, and because of where he lived, he got to know, and because of his, his social activities every night, he got to know a lot of military personnel and other uh, important personnel in Hawaii. So in some cases, he could walk in on these people and, and talk to them, either at the hotel where some of them stayed or just felt comfortable by it because he knew them, actually meeting them somewhere else. Uh, the executive officer for the, the commanding general of the army uh, organization in Hawaii actually suggested you write a column that would be on the lighter side to help, you know, uh, bolster morale. And that was he called it "Laugh It Off," and it did appear in, a, in two of the major papers in Hawaii. 
for uh, several weeks before he uh, decided to call it off. He got himself involved in the business military training corps, which was just, just as it sounds, a bunch of older white businessmen uh, who decided they wanted to uh, make up a self-defense or defense force for the islands. And uh, they had their own rank structure, looked like the army, and they wore uniforms. Burroughs uh, started as a public relations officer. He, he was a drill instructor for recruits. Uh, he'd resigned a couple of times. He just wanted to do more than what they were letting him do, or the, or the BMTC wasn't taking seriously enough. Uh, he got talked back a couple of times. He wanted to be a liaison officer with the Army. Uh, and he really was. Uh, he was an all-in kind of guy. Uh, he, he promised, as you may recall, the Patriarchs forever got him in trouble with the Germans because his fiction at the time pretty much treated Germans uh, with a certain amount of uh, hatred. Uh, unfortunately, his patriotic fervor in World War II in the beginning years got him uh, really thinking uh, bad thoughts about uh, Japanese and uh, even even Americans of Japanese uh, descent. He changed his mind as it wore, wore on and uh, took back pretty much everything he said about the trustworthiness of Japanese Americans and actually flipped it the other way around and said no one should ever question loyalty of Japanese Americans or even their families. So, but he was a very opinionated fellow and he wrote quite a, bit of, quite a number of articles on his view of life during these war years. He got what he really uh, wanted. He, he got accredited as a, as a United Press uh, war correspondent. He wound up being the, the world oldest war correspondent, Pacific Theater to age of 67. And he did three, three tours, two with the Army and the final one with the Navy. He started a set of war diaries uh, for, for his deployments, and he actually started an autograph book. He said, everybody keeps asking for an autograph, I'm going to start asking others. And uh, six, seven hundred autographs in those books. From, he, helped, he actually used those to help crosswalk the soldiers and sailors and Marines with his articles and with his diaries. Uh, again, uh, Lafroy Column, pretty much the first thing he did. And, something look like an official capacity. There's the hotel he stayed at, 30 bungalows with a central dining facility, you know, just right for playing cards, which he loved, and, uh, and alcohol. BMTC patch, and there's Burroughs uh, in his tin pot, third from the left, with uh, some BMTC officers, including the commander and a couple of Army officers. All right, his first tour, uh, he actually worked with uh, Frank Tremaine, uh, United Press head in uh, Hawaii, and George Carlin, uh, head of the uh, United Future Syndicate, who, as you know, was a syndicate for the Tarzan Strip, to, uh, to get his accreditation. Got it on the 2nd of November, 1942. They waited for the Army to, to approve and assign him a plane. Correspondents were supposed to be given the privileges of officers, and that meant they were supposed to be able to fly. And uh, they actually flew him out uh, to Canton Island. He spent time in New Caledonia. Flew uh, to Sydney, Australia. Spent the New Year in Sydney. Uh, did quite a few uh, radio interviews, radio shows, and print interviews. And flew back to New Caledonia, and, and then was uh, sent back uh, to Hawaii and to Pearl Harbor by sea ship. Basically, he, was, he got a little tired. He was unhappy with what the Navy did. The Navy would not recognize his Army uh, credentials and would not support him flying. So they, they put him on a, on a ship, and, uh, and he uh, actually went back by service. 
and you get just a vague idea. I, I did put some more circles on this about where he was. 8,000 miles of flying. Here's what he uh, came back in, the destroyer USS Shaw, which uh, ultimately had 11 battle stars in World War II. Uh, you'll notice on the uh, bottom photo, it, it ran aground on a reef uh, before uh, you know, it would cause them to go back to uh, Pearl Harbor for repairs. And you can see that uh, some of the patch job, they, the commander of the ship actually told Burroughs, he said, we drop a, a depth charge or a couple other things we try, we might actually sink. So interesting to put Burroughs on that ship. He did take his war diary, wrote up an article, a 60-page paper called The Diary of a Confused Old Man, or Buck, Buck Burroughs Rides Again. You can actually find this online. Interesting reading, lots of alcohol. Lots of alcohol. I don't care where he was in the war zone. He found alcohol to drink. Interesting. Uh, second tour. Took him a while to get accreditation back, or get another assignment, I should say. This time, the uh, friend of his that he had made, the commander of the 7th Bomber Command, a one-star general in Hawaii, uh, got him uh, out and on a flight. And as you see there, went to Tarawa and the Gubril Islands, and then to Anahuitoc, famous later for where he did some nuclear bomb tests. He visits uh, by, uh, by small boat a number of atolls and islands. He actually sees his uh, son, Holly, who at that time, by the way, Holly enlisted in the Army Air Forces uh, not long after the war started with the Army, with the U.S. entry. Uh, went eventually went from a private, got a commission because he had been an RTC cadet at one time, and eventually when he, when he leaves the Army, he's a major. He's a combat photographer, does a lot of uh, photography in uh, bomber runs and that kind of thing. So they actually get the visit, as you see here, uh, on Kwajalein Island. Flies back on a hospital ship, a hospital airplane on the 24th of April, 7,000 miles of air flight. Uh, not long after he gets back, his, uh, his first wife passes away. Uh, he and Holly actually fly to California. I mentioned the fact that Burroughs had, had health issues. He had bladder issues. He had heart issues. In this case, he had a hernia operation when he was in California and uh, spent a, a month convalescing. Unfortunately, uh, in these years, it seems that if he goes to the hospital, he'll eventually wind up convalescing for a month, sometimes in the hospital itself. Uh, so going out on these deployments probably did not help. His third tour is with, uh, with the Navy. It's interesting, when he was, uh, those three months he was in California, uh, he actually started thinking about a third marriage, which certainly did not make the children happy. Uh, he goes back to why I think he's probably thinking about coming back. Uh, but what stops all that is the Navy uh, accredits him uh, as a, a correspondent. And uh, they put him on the USS uh, Cahaba, which is an, a fleet oiler, which does uh, a, a monumental number of, of missions uh, in the two years. It's, it's, uh, it's out in the Pacific Theater on uh, refueling aircraft carriers, destroyers, battleships, and cruisers. And that's what he writes about. He writes about you know, life uh, on what this ship does. By the way, when he was on the Shaw, he wrote 25 articles for the Unified, uh, United Press. Almost none of them got published. Uh, he, think, he thinks that they were sent direct to the War Department in D.C. and never saw the light of day. A few got published. 
what he wrote here, uh, sometimes I had to wait till he got home, but they did, many of those got published in the numerous in several newspapers. So he, he does his tour uh, out in the water. He's then sent back home, and he, he flies back this time. Tyrone Power, interesting enough, was a pilot on the first leg to, to go on. So again, as you can see, he racked up some miles and uh, took his typewriter everywhere, wrote, kept his diaries up, got his autograph books. Again, Burroughs was, if nothing else, was, uh, could really be a machine when it came to these things. His laugh it off column, he was suggested uh, on day one to write it. He uh, had the first one written the next day. So when you, when you see uh, Burroughs in, in worst correspondence uniforms, look very closely on his skinny to see if it's an Army correspondent, a city or a Navy. These are, you can see the Navy anchors on this one. All right, as you saw, uh, in between those, uh, those deployments and other personal issues, he, he did write, 40 and 41 being uh, really the, the peak of his output. So Lana Guthall, uh, it really is the last true Mars novel, although it is four novelettes. And what you see here is a great J. Allen St. John uh, did covers for all four of these. And uh, really very, you know, if you're going to end, end your uh, fiction output, it's great to have J. Allen St. John, which, who was at one time his favorite artist, doing the work. Uh, that cover for Lana Gathal is by his, his son. John Coleman Burroughs did all the covers and interiors for all books published by E.B. Incorporated. Escape on Venus, uh, these four novelettes also. He knows covers all by J. Allen St. John. And uh, John Coleman Burroughs, of course, did this cover as well. The last Mars stories, and I'm going to talk more about uh, the unfinished storylines and stories of Burroughs uh, at a short uh, presentation tomorrow. But as you can see, really, his last John Carter uh, story was John Carter was the, the skeleton men of Jupiter. Certainly, he had planned to, to write more in this series, but just just didn't get to it. Uh, there's a controversy for many years of John Carter Mars later, uh, if the magazine called John Carter and the Giant of Mars was actually written by uh, ERB, it was actually written by his son uh, Jack, Jack Burroughs, started out as a, as a big little book and uh, was expanded a bit, his wife actually helped write it, uh, Jane Ralston Burroughs, and that's why it was much of a controversy, if you read it of course you'll see it, it just seems to lack at Burroughs' touch. But they were published together and have still, are still published together uh, since then. And that's the first, uh, first edition in on 1964 by Canaveral Press with a beautiful uh, pen and ink by Reed Crandall. All right, very quick, uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs Incorporated was still publishing. Uh, the paper shortage really put a crimp in publishing. They normally do, would do a spring and a fall book. It was a time when Burroughs would write one Tarzan and one of something else so they could keep the output going. Uh, Burroughs Incorporated did do a pretty significant reprint run in 1948. Now there are two there are two kinds of wartime editions that were obviously printed on cheap because of paper shortage and trying to keep costs down. One is the, the, the Grosset and Dunlap uh, Madison Square editions. And if you're ever on, especially the old early days of eBay, 
people would claim these are first editions all the time. And I mean, they're just most acidic paper you can get, so it's sad when people bought those thinking they were getting something better. And then the, uh, the 11 editions, by the way, and they're all Tarzan novels uh, in, in the Madison Squares. Two Tarzan novels were done in the uh, Armed Service editions, those little pocketbooks, millions and millions of copies published for soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines. Only one record album uh, was done. This is by, uh, put out by Decca in 1947 by the uh, Tarzan players. It just happens that uh, even though there was talk about uh, maybe more uh, Tarzan radio shows, and there was a claim they were broadcasting something in Hawaii in the early 1940s. I had to check on what really that's about. But Burroughs had mentioned a John Carter radio show. I, I don't know much more about it. In fact, he apparently mentioned it. Sorry, no good pictures. Uh, a number of big little books were still coming out uh, in those uh, war years. Interesting, uh, which, these are all that John Coleman Burroughs touched, either because he did covers uh, or other components of the book. And of course, John Carter Morris, he also wrote. And he did some other big little book work besides uh, these. Oh, I thought I deleted that. All right, Tarzan movies. Hard to believe that from 1939 to 1950, 11 Tarzan movies came out. Uh, and uh, we won't go into too much detail, but as you know, uh, Jane, in fact, they were thinking seriously about killing off Jane when... Uh, and I just forgot the name of the actress. There's your trivia question. Marina Sullivan, thank you. I win my, where did book go? Um, when Marina Sullivan decides she wouldn't play Jane anymore, uh, they, they ran a few movies without Jane at all. They decided to actually bring the character back and uh, had bounced around. Brenda Joyce played Jane to the remainder of those uh, movies with Johnny Weissmiller. Uh, she, she was the uh, carryover when Lex Barker became Tarzan. And... Uh, and then they started doing a new Jane in every single Lex Parker movie. It also happens that in 1941, uh, the 15 chapter serial Jungle Girl uh, came out, starred Francis Gifford, who, as you notice, was uh, played Zandra in Tarzan Triumphs. By the way, where did, where, which movie did Tarzan say, now Tarzan make war? Is that right? Everybody agree with that? Okay. All right, this thing uh, blew up. Uh, on the lower left is uh, Saul Lesser, who uh, actually did uh, a Tarzan movie with Buster Crabbe uh, back in the 1930s, but he wound up uh, doing the, the post-MGM uh, Tarzan movies with Johnny Weissmuller and then afterward until uh, Saul Weintraub took over. On the uh, right, this is, uh, some people say this is the last public appearance that Burroughs made before his death when he visited uh, the set of uh, Tarzan the Slave Girl. Uh, on the left is Jane Ralston Burroughs, uh, Jack Burroughs' uh, wife. Uh, just uh, standing above uh, Ed is uh, his uh, oldest, uh, Joanne Burroughs Pierce, and of course, that's Lex Barker. All right, it's interesting that John Coleman Burroughs, uh, again, he turned in the early war years, uh, uh, two children born during the war years. 
wound up actually being pretty busy despite everything else he was doing on our work. So there was a plan originally for Dell Comics to do a 32-page a, a David uh, Ennis and Pellucidor story. Uh, Dell decided he didn't really want to do this kind of uh, protagonist anymore in their books, so they dumped it. Uh, first 12 pages came out of, of a little-known book called High Spot Comics. The rest of it never appeared. Uh, thanks to Burroughs fans, of course, uh, all the artwork is showing up, and it's also in the Edgar Rice Burroughs Library of, of Illustration, if you ever want to look at it. Uh, Jack Burroughs and his wife Jane uh, would be their own models for a lot of the work that Jack did, and uh, here he is modeling, uh, I believe, for, as David, or in this case, Dave, you've got to be Dave in this. Uh, he also wound up uh, doing quite a few of the John Carter uh, comic book stories, all of which appeared in the funnies. The first three stories were done by another artist, and then he took over uh, with number 34, and uh, John Carter of Mars story appeared in every issue until uh, 56. So actually pretty interesting run. These are unfortunately hard to find comic books. Uh, sometimes John Carter is on the cover, and uh, often he's not. It's because, as you can see, they had rotate. They had a number of uh, characters in each one of these. Now, the interesting thing is, is that back in 1932, uh, Burroughs actually approached United Future Syndicate about doing a John Carter Sunday strip, which, is, as you recall, the, the, the Daily was only started in 1929. Uh, the, the United Future was worried about diluting tars and taking away readers, so uh, it was shelved. There was also, as you recall, uh, attempt to actually go with the John Carter full-length movie, animated, with the great Bob Clampett and Jack Burroughs working with him. Uh, that never happened. There's a little bit of footage that still uh, you can find on that. But uh, when they decided to stop the stories and the funnies, it just happens that, that John Carter Mars did appear as a Sunday-only strip. As you see, unfortunately, the first day it came out was the 7th of December, 1941. It's a bad day. Not only are, are paper shortages going to hit like in a matter of days, but they started rationing colored inks, too. So only four papers in the States featured it. Uh, a lot of those had to go to monochromes. So you might see orange, burnt orange, or red, or some other color in, in black. So you, you wouldn't even find full color pages, all because of the war. And it eventually uh, ran out right in the middle of the story. There were four unpublished pages, which also again showed up in the Egress Burroughs Library of Illustration and uh, by Burroughs Bibliophiles Publications. Again, you see his wife, Jane Ralston, playing Deja Thoris, uh, posing uh, for that. Uh, Jack Burroughs also made an articulated model of a thoat, the writing animal that uh, the Redmond and Greenman used. And uh, there's his son and Burroughs' uh, grandson. Uh, Dan Burroughs, with the sword that was made, to, was used, and if you ever take a good look at the strips, you see it looks exactly like this sword. He used it to, to model that. Dell Comics, um, they finally decided to do original stories. Uh, Dell Comics picked them up in 1947, and uh, they, he would appear in, in Dell Four Color for several years until he got his own title. Uh, Jesse Marsh uh, got the assignment and, uh, and drew Tarzan for many, many years until Russ Manning took over in the early 60s. 
What's interesting, if you look on the right, uh, one of the artists that tried out for this uh, was John Coleman Burroughs. And he pretty much did this, the whole story. And I've seen a couple of the pages, and I think they're, they're better than Jesse Marsh, and I've seen some other pages that are definitely not as good as Jesse Marsh, because he was clearly racing the finish, which is probably why he didn't get selected. Tarzan Sunday strip, uh, Bern Horgarth had been doing this strip, the, the Sunday page, for quite a time. As you see on the uh, left-hand side, there's an example. Tarzan often was the first strip. Uh, it could be up to 32 pages, as you know, into a, a Sunday supplement section. Tarzan was often the, the feature on the front. When uh, Hogarth decided to go off and do another, his own strip, they brought in uh, Ruben uh, Moria. I know I'm mispronouncing his name. Otherwise, Ruben Moore, pen name. I actually thought he was pretty good, uh, but when Hogarth's strip failed and he, he came back, they gladly dumped Ruben Moore and brought Hogarth back. And then Bob Lewis took over in 1950 when, when Hogarth moved on to concentrate on his uh, art school. But before those original stories came out, for many, many years, uh, dailies and Sundays were reprinted in some way or form in various comic books, uh, either as one-shots or as part of compilations over the years, and there's just an example. Those first two on the upper left are, are one-shots, but he appeared in many tip-top comics. Uh, sometimes he was on the cover, sometimes he was one of number, like you see here on the uh, upper right. Sparkler, same thing. Sometimes he was in the cover, sometimes not. Jeep Comics, something uh, that was put together for soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines. And there even were, were text inserts in something called uh, uh, Cracker Jack Comics by Dell, which were attributed to Edgar Rice Burroughs, and I sincerely doubt he wrote. All right. Uh, to help start closing out, uh, it is interesting that Edgar S. Burroughs shows up as a semi-fictional character uh, based on his World War II years. Uh, one of them, uh, the first one was Don't Go Near the Water by uh, William uh, Hinckley. I uh, didn't put his name up there. Apologize. This is a satirical take on U.S. Navy public relations people. Although I gather he's satirized pretty much everybody. Uh, it's episodic. You know, every chapter is kind of a new story. It happens that Burroughs is, is kind of the driver of one of those chapters. And, and the other one was the, the Pearl Harbor murders. Uh, mystery writer Max Allen Collins, who, as you, some of you know, uh, penned uh, Dick Tracy Strip and has written many other things over the years, had a, a series called the, uh, the, the Disaster Mystery Series. And this is the third in the, in the, in the series. Edgar Burroughs, O.B., Old Burroughs, and his son, Holly. On the day of the, of the Burrow Harbor attack, they, they, try to, they actually solve some murders. So I think this is only one of those books that actually came out in a hardcover uh, out of a book club. Burroughs has popped up more often since then as a fictional character, but these two relate to the war and were the first ones that I'm, I'm aware of. All right, I'm... I got some extra time, so I can you can ask questions I can't answer. All right, you can see he showed up in amazing stories, thrilling adventures, the Tarzan, the Jungle Murders. Remember that one new Tarzan series was in Thrilling Adventures, uh, and there was even an Argosy, the Quest of Tarzan, first cover of all people, Virgil Finley did. Yes. I brought it over to show to my dad 
was Frances Beard, a high school and college girl. She later married the much more famous actor James Dunn, but she always claimed that my dad was the closest thing to Tarzan he'd ever seen, and he was a top-ranked officer and a boxing champion in the U.S. Navy. Pearl Harbor Survivors Association president, so he's a manly man. And when I showed him Francis Gifford swinging through the trees, he said, oh, look at those beautiful legs. Don't I have good taste? And I said, Dad, that's Dave Sharp stunting for Francis Gifford. <laughs> he said, really? And I said, yeah. He goes, oh, my God, I'm admiring a man's legs. It was so funny. But, you know, he, he didn't realize that Jungle Girl was a Burroughs character. And when I told him, he said, you mean the guy who did Tarzan? So it just goes to show that it's a small one. I will tell you that there, I'm not sure the Jungle Girl serial was really very close to the plot of the original novel. No, but no, it wasn't. <laughs> yes, sir. Can you tell us more about the uh, war correspondent work we did? Were these articles substantial articles about the military? Were they like travelogues, something like what uh, Attorney Kyle was doing in Europe? Um, How did they stack up? I've got uh, I got to set them up in a book up, up in my room, and I haven't looked at them in so long. I get a little worried about telling you. I will tell you that uh, in many cases he did concentrate on on the people, uh, but he talked about units as well. But I'm gonna have to look. You might want to grab me a, a tomorrow or the next day. I'll give you a better answer. I will tell you that the, the ones he wrote from the, the fleet oiler were about. How the, you know what the boat did and what the ship did, sorry, and uh, you know what the sailors did and what those operations looked like. But I, I just have to read more about them and before I can get back to you. He wrote a lot of things not as a war correspondent. I mentioned his the stuff he would write about uh, on just uh, the Japanese American question and and other things about how people should be working harder for the war effort or uh, many many other things about administration and all. Burroughs. Burroughs was a strongly opinionated person. Please get back with me. Yes, sir. I wonder, um, on a military mission, were those edited books? How about, what would the word count be on one of those formats? Um, um, were the, one of the service editions. Yeah, the armed service editions, were they abridged versions of the books? Or and how much uh, would the word count be about? I've got, uh, I've got some collectors in this room. I've been led to believe that the wartime editions were not abridged. That's what I've always heard. I believe that's the same. I've heard the same. And, and remember, they published, um, oh gosh, four, five, six hundred titles. It's embarrassing because I bought the book about the books, and I haven't read it yet. And I actually pulled down and posted the entire list onto a, a Word file for this, and it ran 60 pages. So, uh, and again, I forget how many millions and millions of books were printed. Uh, the gentleman right there first. In the yeah, back. I was struck by your slide that showed the staggered writing schedule of the various novels. Were they published in that same staggered manner? You know, I was actually going to try to figure out, the reason I started finishing this briefing, uh, this presentation this morning, because for three months I was trying to figure out how to show you written to magazine to book because a number of by the way remember i told you about his rejections some of these books including a couple of tarzan novels were never accepted for magazine publication their first appearance was actually in hardcover uh, tarzan the foreign legion uh, never appeared in the magazine uh, and uh, 
And so some of these literally went straight to hardcover. In some cases, in a few cases, they didn't appear until the 60s. Uh, uh, Savage Pellucidar was the fourth. You can see it towards 1944. Out in 1944, you can see where he, he wrote the fourth novelette for that series. Those appeared, none of them with the cover, by the way, which is why you didn't see them. Uh, none were featured in cover. And then that one appeared and was published uh, a fair amount later. So if, if you, someday I'll, if you, if you send me an email, I will continue trying to get this done anyway. Because it's, it's interesting to see how these things progress, because they did, in fact, you see, did run in, in different issues, but it looked like the, so as you see, the, the Mars uh, from 1941, Notice how they're staggered with the, uh, the Escape on Venus. Uh, the Escape on Venus novels are also in the 41 and 42, but they're in different magazines. The uh, Skeleton Men of Jupiter was February of 1943, and amazing. So it's a great question. I can only partially answer that. Yes, sir? Was, was Kenneth Knight still at Blue Book in these days? He was. He was. Did, did he mess with, with Burroughs' text the way Ray Palmer did? I can tell you that, uh, and I got folks in the corporation here, so they're going to they're going to be able to tell me the right answer. Um, Tarzan: The Jungle Murders, I've been told, got edited pretty hard. Uh, there were a couple of times when editors told Burroughs, "They said this, these days ain't cutting it. Uh, if you don't mind, we're going to put an editor on it and rewrite it, or substantiate it." So I, I can go back and, and track and tell you which ones. Uh, in fact, I'm, we've had a conversation about whether the original uh, Murder in the Jungle can even be found. It was shopped so many places that I'm not sure the TypeScript survived. And uh, he was very unhappy about the way the last novelettes in the Pluthor series were rewritten. So I think all of those were re-edited. And... Uh, I think even John Carr and Regina Mars may have been touched, although it wasn't his. And I, I know there's some other uh, works of his that were touched this period. Let's not kid ourselves. The, some of those Burroughs stories, and they, look, they got the Burroughs flavor, right? Even in, maybe it's because I'm a Burroughs fan, even some of his stories that aren't the, the most uh, imaginative or original, they, they have that Burroughs uh, flair and that Burroughs style, and they, they still read um, but there's no doubt a lot of his are travelogues where you get to meet many more new kinds of races of odd beings. There's someone back there before I call Huck. Ed, the guys are going to stump me. Go ahead. Henry, do you mind if I add some uh, info about Jungle Girl? Contrary to popular opinion, it actually has nothing to do with the Burroughs' novel Jungle Girl, which was serialized in Blue Book as The Land of Hidden Men before Burroughs published it under his own imprint as Jungle Girl. What happened was Republic Serials, uh, Republic Pictures, came up with the character of Nyoka, Jungle Girl, who does not appear in the novel. The novel takes place actually in the jungles of Cambodia, whereas Jungle Girl takes place in Africa. Republic basically just paid Burroughs $7,500 for the rights to use the title Jungle Girl and his name which they felt would give a big publicity boost to what was essentially a completely original story. 
Right. As you can see, you can see his name if you're close enough uh, on the uh, the poster. And I was I was being sarcastic when I said it didn't link closely with the plot of the, of the book. Not that it's ever happened in Hollywood since then. <laughs> Thank goodness, one time. Uh, Huck. That's, I, uh, I decided not to put that in here because uh, none of the covers were his, but I almost included the Savage Pellucidar because it's a science fiction magazine with no kidding science fiction, Moonlander on the cover, and there's Savage Pellucidar on the bottom in 1963. And then, of course, just you know, just a matter of months, Canaveral Press puts out Savage Pellucidar as a hardcover with all four stories in it. Uh, the answer is yes. And even in the uh, 20s and 30s, some of these editors knew how much the Burroughs name meant, uh, even if it wasn't a Tarzan story. Was that being driven largely by the Tarzan um, I can I can tell you that, that for pulp readers, the, uh, the original print really made the difference. You know, readers like what they're reading. Uh, more readers, of course, got got in because of the movies and the newspapers. In fact, Burroughs himself acknowledged that the newspaper strip actually helped bolster people buying books. Although later, there was always a question about where where did people stop spending their their dollar. So there's a reason why Burroughs did not want to see the character diluted in the movies or the strips. He hated it when when people kept having Tarzan laugh in the movies. He said that's not Tarzan. You're ruining the character. You're, you're actually damaging my property. That's not what people think of Tarzan when they read my books or, read, you know, or see them in the pulps. So Burroughs was always worried about uh, how much the character survived interpretation. Although, as anyone else in Hollywood knows, the producers try very hard to be exactly what the writer envisions because, you know, the writer comes first. Uh, and certainly he lost control of Tarzan like maybe the first movie. Yes, sir. Where did you know, uh, I got collectors in the room, thank goodness. I do not know where, because that, that was a G&D imprint. And so I don't, my Conrad, help me. As, as far as I know, and they, uh, they did other titles besides Burroughs, of course, because, you know, they were reprinting almost, they were, they were what, probably the, the biggest uh, re, reprint, what they called it, the popular copyright uh, in the country. But luckily, those don't have acidic paper. I'm joking. It, it may have also been an excuse for a little lower quality without 
completely damaging the G&D name, but again, paper shortages and all that. I am like 30 seconds out from being done, so I think I'm done. You've been listening to a Pulp Event podcast, brought to you by the PulpNet, your link to the online world of the Pulp magazines for over 25 years. Please visit us online at thepulp.net. Also, look for the PulpNet on Facebook and on Twitter. Thank you for listening, and keep reading the pulps. The Pulp Event podcast is copyright 2021.